Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs, Love Talk on Babs Ross Ivy. I'm here with people I really actually enjoy. <laughs> hey, Ife. Hey, Good morning, Marina. Babs. Hey, Dr. Foster. How are you? Morning. Unmute yourself, Dr. Foster. Oh, I could unmute you. I think I could do hey. it. Better? Yes. So this is the DiasporaCon team. DiasporaCon is happening this Saturday for what, 10 to 5? At, at Quinnipiac Law, uh, Law School? Yes, indeed. Yes. And this is the second annual? Yep. Yes, it is. All right. Tell me what we in for. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Well, this year we um, have a, a collaborative partner in the East Coast Black. <laughs> Am I getting right? It's Ekbot. East Coast Black Age of Comics Convention out of Philadelphia. Dr. Forster was one of the founders of that. Or of course he was. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that he does not do? Oh, beg for mercy. I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> All right. So this is the second annual. You did so well the first time. You said, well, we'll go back. We'll do it again. Talk a little bit about that. Talk about the need for this. So our theme this year is history and literacy. Mm. Um, we want folks to know about the opportunities and the history of Black folks in, in the comic book industry. And literacy because um, it, some things, sometimes the first book a, a, a child picks up is a comic book or graphic novel. And if that's how you got to learn to read, if that is how you follow a story, we were all about promoting that. And that's oh, why Block is also um, one of the, the major partners in this. And it, this evolved from our first Lit Fest with Dr. Forster put together an illustrious panel virtually <laughs> back in 2020. And um, just, just doing research and finding out there's momentum for this. And let's just do one Let's just do it a separate from LitFest. Let's do it a con. So here we are. Listen, I learned so much last year. I was, I sat in and I, I learned so much. I had no idea that Connecticut, that New Haven in particular, places in Connecticut are foundational to this whole graphic novel universe. I had, I had no idea until I, I sat in on a panel. I think Dr. Foster, you were like wrangling and I had no idea. I, mean, I learned so much. Uh, that it's just a little known history. And now graphic novels are like everybody, like everybody and their mother has a graphic novel now with any, if you have a book worth its worth its pages, you have a, a graphic novel component. Talk a little bit about that, Dr. Forster. And then Juanita, I want you to talk a little bit about your role in this, because I believe you're responsible for the graphics, which are- A little bit. <laughs> which are I, I think I'm gonna need you to make me a, a, a artificial superhero person. <laughs> Uh-oh, now let's start it. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, the history of what we've been through, where we come from, it's interesting that when comic books started, like at the turn of the century, when comic strips were turning into comic books, uh -huh. um, you saw images of us, but not images that we would have promoted. And you don't really see our hand in it until the 1940s. Uh, I've been collecting those for years. I met a number of the, the original creators and they were so generous. And with the work that they created, uh, Bert Fitzgerald, who used to live in uh, Yonkers, created a series called uh, Golden Legacies, which everybody told him nobody would buy. 
but he never gave up. He went to churches, he went to social organizations, he went to a supermarket chain and they promoted his books. And from there, it just took off. He wouldn't give up. Um, I was fortunate enough to have him come to my college and visit my students. They ate him up with a spoon because he spoke his mind. He told exactly what the history was like, loved it. Connecticut, of course, has the reputation for being the home of the distribution point for all comic books in America. Some of the first mm -hmm. artists were here. Um, when people got successful in New York, first place they moved to was Connecticut so they could commute back because uh, it was just a place to hang out and a place that promoted art. Uh, the number of African-Americans you find in this is just amazing. I'm just, for this presentation I'm making on Saturday, I just went back through my collection and I found Still I Rise by Roland Laird, who was originally from New York, an amazing book. And I read that book years ago, but I went back and reread it. And the number of facts he included about who we are and how we got where we were step by step in this country is just stunning. Um, Golden Legacy, Still I Rise, um, classic illustrated comic books, which I think you guys might know of because all the great classic books were turned into comic books. So the original basically for graphic novels and they had the last book in the series was Negro Americans. The last one in the public series when it first came out and it's one of the best I've seen. You can find these if you're as patient as I am in other printed in other books as individual segments, one or two pages, four pages max, but they include everybody, scientists, politicians, soldiers, states, oh, it was just amazing. And it's still available so people can still find it. Uh, I'm gonna shut up and I'll let somebody else have a word because I I could go all day. <laughs> So, so Juanita, so much of graphic novels is the illustration of graphic novels. Like, it's not just, um, let's just make a cartoon doodle. Like, this mm -hmm. is high-end artistic expression. Talk a little bit about, as someone who is a curator of this kind of uh, artistic expression, talk a little bit about uh, the thinking around this and, and why it's so vivid and why it's so um, futuristic. Sure. Because, oh, go ahead, sis, I'm sorry. Jumped in. <laughs> do you do you want do you have a, a point on that you wanna you wanna take away? I want to hear your voice. I know what my voice sounds like. Okay. So yeah, um, I'm happy to be on the Culture Lit team um this year and helping with the second annual DiasporaCon. Um, so as you mentioned, I handle all of our graphics um for culturally lit. Um, and then so with DiasporaCon this year, you know, I really wanted to create something bold, striking, like you said, futuristic. And we have so many cool tools out there now. And I, I use AI to be able to create those, those superheroes that we see on the graphics out there. And I think one of the most beautiful things now is that we're able to create imagery that's reflective of us. Um, and one of the beautiful things about graphic novels and comics is like, yes, we get the story, but having those visuals, I think is so important. Having that, seeing that representation of ourselves um, in comics, I think is a beautiful thing. I imagine, um, you know, little kids when they're going into the bookstores now and in the library, being able to see all of these different books that are reflecting them as superheroes, as these different characters, you know, that's really um, able to open their imaginations in ways that, you know, may not be able to just from a traditional book, you know, and that's the importance of graphic novels and comics. It allows, it allows people to, to learn and intake literature in a different way. Um, we all intake information um, in, in different ways. So having that 
as you said, so many books now have that graphic novel component. Um, it's important to be able to, to share stories in ways that touches people um, in the way that they intake information. I think graphic novels and comics do that in a beautiful way. Um, I think it opens our imaginations to, to different places and worlds that um, we may not traditionally get to see in our in our day-to-day lives. So Ife, when you when you when you think about planning for this, because uh, as far as I'm concerned, gra- graphic novel is very new to me. And but I but I know that the universe is very wide. So how do you how do you narrow down exactly what you put into this into this uh, into this into this day? Because I mean, you could go in fifty million different directions. But how do you narrow down <laughs> what's what makes sense? Well, first of all, the blessing is to have an intergenerational team. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's like we got it's the young historian. and old alike. <laughs> okay. We got the historian, and then we have I have the young people that keep me up on the things, and I'm so grateful all the time. I can't express to them enough. Um, but in 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 thinking about the um banning of books in these mm-hmm. certain states and in, in the in the United States, thinking about spending time as a substitute teacher at Hill House and like looking at literacy levels all around in every school system and all all over the place. It was just like, um, what better way of of dealing of 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 um, addressing an issue and also having fun than a graphic novel and also spending a lot of time in possible futures and seeing <laughs> like so many books coming out for yeah. people of color, of all colors. And then like, just from, like I said, the first time um, we had the, the panel, the comic and graphic novel panel at the first Lit Fest four years ago, um, the the team of people that um, Dr. Foster put, put together and, and then doing more research on like, like, you know, John Lewis had a graphic novel out about the walk, like a whole series. I, I have, I uh, Andrew's mother yeah. gave me the whole collection. So right. I had the whole <laughs> um, what okay. great, what, what, a, what, what a wonderful way of having, using this as a tool for learning. Like yeah. when I remember when, when Raven was, was young, when she was like in third or fourth grade, your sober Margaret Andrews did um, the, her, I believe her third and fourth grade curriculum based on Harry Potter series. So the kids are reading Harry Potter, the Harry Potter series and learning things, Hogwarts things, but it, it incorporated math and science. And like, I just feel like it's a, it's a win-win. And, and then for adults to come out, cause there's a lot of adults that collect yeah. comics and we will have a lot of vendors. We have, we have some vendors that have some good stuff. Last year, the vendors did very well. People came away with, with some good things. So Yes. Yeah. So Dr. Foster, talk about the future of this, of this genre, because it seems like it's exploding. Like, is there any, any realm where graphic novels can't be like, I mean, and, and is there a danger of too much? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, if you go back by decades, um, when jazz music was very popular, and people wanted to call it primitive music. Don't listen to that. Don't don't you dare dance to that. Then rock music came out. All oh, this stuff is the devil's music. Is going to hear that. We don't want to hear that. 
there's only two types of music, you know, and then you have uh, the 60s where, you know, when it was soul and, and, and there was a lot of blending of different styles and it just keeps punk, it just kept changing. So the idea is that whatever something was new, someone wanted to tell you what was bad about it, but no one told you what was mm -hmm. in inclusive about it. The number of stars who just went from one genre to the other. Aretha Franklin's been around since the soul era, and name up a, if a musician who doesn't love her and her work. You know, uh, Marvin Gaye. Now that they're doing stuff now to talk about what his life was like and how he changed from just doing straight R and B to going doing more, more soulful stuff and stuff that was relevant to what was happening in the world. There's always a possibility that we can include something and learn something and expand mm. on it. My young sister said, hey, I, I know, my eyes popped in my head. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> young folks, cutting edge. And when you see how a, the image has changed, how an image can be perceived and a story can be pushed a little further, Disney has done amazing stuff with that. You know, that they they started off with one of the first full color animated features. But now think about the full realm of, that they cover and they cover different ethnicities, you know, Native American, Asian, um, you know, Puerto Ricano, you know. And it's like and the stories are told by people who can who had never thought about those areas or those groups as being having stories that have some meaning to us. So we are on the cusp of like just discovering a whole new place to go. And also the opportunity. I want to emphasize the opportunities for people of color in the industry. Like it's blowing up. Everybody went to see um, Wakanda. Everybody like last year, we were fortunate enough to have like one of the famous creators in, in Hollywood, John Jennings, um, as a keynote speaker, as well as like Michael Jai White, who played the first black superhero. Like there's and who will be having a movie studio publishing all that right available here so so when when folks when young people start looking at opportunities for their future and 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 we start thinking about building legacy and telling our stories what better way to do it and then through this genre mm. so uh uh lauren anderson who owns possible futures dropped into the chat and said such an important literary format it's really telling uh, that a book like Stamp by uh, Ibram mm. H. Kendi is coming out in graphic novel form and the demand for graphic content is huge. So uh, I, I'm going I'm to have a conversation with you in a minute, Juanita, but Dr. Forrester, um, how does this, how does this work in the academic world when Ooh. you take, when you take somebody <laughs> like a, a, a public intellectual, like Ibrahim uh, H. Kendi putting his work in graphic novel form, does that elevate the academic um, uh, uh, movement, mm. does it, or does it cheapen it? It's interesting. Like I was saying, you always have somebody who's suspicious and doesn't come along because they think they might lose something. But at the same token, I've been going to comic book conventions done by academics for years. And it's always, and we were kind of the beginning, we were kind of like the the stepchild of, of, the, of the shows because we were like involved <laughs> in the actual industry and people, yeah, comic books. How droll. And, you know, <laughs> I never got offended by that because I said, it's coming around and you will find out. And the number of people I know who are both in both fields are just, it's just stunning. Um, so I've been thinking about something basic like the Bible, one of the best selling books in the entire world. How many versions of as illustrated and graphic novels have been done from stories from the Bible? And I was raised on the Bible, so I was reading those first and foremost. Um, there was a, 
I'm thinking about a, book, a picture book from the 1930s about the story of Jesus. I had never, I'd heard those stories all my life, but it never was more illuminated than that book. I fought to find that book. I actually did find a copy because I kept, kept looking, it wouldn't give up. But also I was interested in science. Um, I was telling Ife about when I was in seventh grade and our professor in the class was saying, teacher was in class saying, okay, I'm gonna give you the properties of a metal and I want you to tell me what the metal is. Who was the only kid in class who could raise his hand because I'd read a comic book called The Metal Men. I knew exactly what the properties <laughs> were. And he would look at me oh, like I was an alien, you know, but he was stunned. And I said, and he asked me at the end of the class, he didn't ask me doing it because I said I was reading the comic book and he just, mm -hmm. he, he didn't give me a hard way to go. He said, well, you get the information and what you do with the information is up to you, but you need to get it first. So mm. I think wherever we go, we're going to find opportunities. Great art has been duplicated in graphic novels. I have a buddy who just finished a graphic novel. I had to bite my hand at the end of it because the ending was, what would happen if a machine was invented that we could talk to God? Oh, I put that right in the same place as, as black Jesus is what would happen if Jesus came back as a young black man? Mm. Now people would have difficulty believing that until he gets caught on a camera. Everybody's phone's got a camera saving four kids from drowning in a, in a car that didn't have a driver in it. He walks across the water to grab the kids and bring them back. He's trying to stay out of the news and people are losing their minds trying to find out where Jesus is today. And they only mm. did one issue and I'm still waiting for that second part to come out because he just kind of, everybody wants them. Black preachers want them, um, drug runners run them, everybody, the government wants them. And he's trying to just be what Jesus was. I'm just a man doing what God mm. has given me the, the idea to see, to do. It's amazing. So the, the openings are just outrageous and we just kind of have to open ourselves to the possibility. Lose something? Mm, I don't think so because everybody's teaching us the new processes are and you're taking the old stories. That's what we're doing. You take your story. That's what people tell people about want to write a book. Your story, your words, this old format, make it as, as anything you want it to be. And mm. when people give me a hard way to go about um, the material and the subject matter I read, I take a quote from Sidney Poitier from a movie where he was a African revolutionary and the guy was saying, so have you read uh, Chairman Mao's Little Red Book? He said, yeah, but I also read Winnie the Pooh. That doesn't make me a, a bear, you know? <laughs> and it, it was the, the quickest and most affectionate way of saying that what I read and what I do with it, it's up to me as an individual. It doesn't automatically convert me to anything, you know? So people who are afraid of that, you know, because our parents were taught to be afraid of comic books are going to turn us all into juvenile delinquents. You know, uh, my mother destroyed my entire collection when I was a kid. I had to go back and recollect it because it was the, the word was and, you know, for everybody, this is going to, you know, you see how our kids are out of control and this is a, a major cause of it, which was not I, true. I will tell you this. When I was younger, I didn't read comic books like like a lot of people did. I, I was aware of them, but uh, but I, I had a snob attitude. I didn't feel like it was it was legit lit, you know, uh, literary pursuit. So I, so I never really got into, it. I mean, I, I took a side, like I like DC Marvel, that kind of thing. Uh, but, but right now this graphic novel, uh, world is really sort of finding its place. So when I want you to talk a little bit about why is, um, AI and graphic novels so easily married? What is it about the genre that is attractive to the AI community or AI uh, artists, do we call AI folks artists? Artists, the AI. Artists. I think it. I think it depends on the person. Um, but I at least think for me, as someone who is a creative, um, 
AI allows me to generate the all the images and ideas that I have in my head, right? As someone who's not an illustrator, I can't I can't draw something, I can't paint it, but I have these ideas, I have these concepts, right? And so being able to use a tool, because that's the way I see AI as a tool, as a tool to be able to get those ideas and concepts from my head down into a visual form um, is something that's amazing for me. And thinking about, you know, the why it works so well with the graphic novel and comic book industry is, you know, way most of them are worked. You have these these panels or sections in in a graphic novel or a comic book, and so being able to use something like AI to describe that 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 section or that that image that you're trying to see um, in this this short amount of description. So taking little words and turning them into an image, right? How 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 well does that work with with graphic novels and comics? Um, having those those images and those and those words, and then being able to to visualize that, um, I see it as a good tool for storyboarding for ideation. Um, so even if you know, I would hope that your final form of of your graphic novel or comic book, you know, you work with traditional artists, but being able to like start a story and then have these these images that help you know further it along, I think is I think it's a wonderful tool and it, it can work really well for that. So if they talk to me about why it's called diaspora con, because that's that's a very specific, very that's very specific. Yeah, Ife. What about that? Yes, it is. Because <laughs> just like Elm City Lit Fest is a celebration of literature of the African diaspora, because we lit like that. <laughs> <laughs> diaspora con, as again, when um in, in thinking about this, like um one of the uh, julius julius um who was uh formerly on with us um and moved to new york he used to go to cons all the time and um he he would say you know there's not many of us at the con so like we're sprinkled in in betwixt and between everybody and um and then i found out about the schomburg comic book festival the boston black book festival ekbok all the all the cons that are around people of color and i was like okay uh, it's the diaspora we're part of the diaspora there's like um we have a latino brother coming up from the bronx um bronx superheroes that's going to be um a vendor as as well as a presenter um, and so what we're just finding out that there's so many colors. So the diaspora is represented it represented at our con. And our con is not a convention, it is a conference because um the difference is the 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 panel discussions and the workshops and more focused and really focus on the opportunities. I really want to emphasize that I want to this this event annually to grow into something where people could come and network and be and get jobs or or find out where the opportunities are in this industry for if that's your interest so mm-hmm. that's what diaspora con came from because it's a diaspora <laughs> i like that so so back to juanita so juanita you've made you've made a, a interesting point that you're like you know what i don't draw i don't sketch but I could use these tools to create everything that I'm imagining in my 
in my mind. Isn't isn't that art though? Isn't that and oh, and I, is AI becoming a legitimate art form? Ooh, that's always going to be a tough um, question. <laughs> I think I think people don't realize it's harder than than it is to actually make a good AI image, right? People are like, oh well, it's it's doing all the work for you. You know how many hours you can spend trying to input prompts to actually get an image that you know is usable. And then a lot, what a lot of people don't realize, again, because it's a tool, a lot of people who are digital artists may take that AI and then put it into Photoshop or pull it into Illustrator and further edit it and further use digital tools to really craft that image that you are that you are trying to make. So I definitely think there is a lane for AI art and AI artists. Um, because again, as I said, it's just a tool. It's just one way to, as you say, creatively express yourself um, and you can do so many different so many different things with it um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how it's continued to be used within the art world and how perceptions of it change within you know 10 years as Mr. Foster said anytime anything new comes out everyone's talking about oh the bad of it or this is terrible this is going to ruin the industry um, and then you know 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now, it's 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 a staple, you know, within within that, um, within that genre. I think about digital photography when that came out, right? I'm sure a lot of the um, you know, um film photographers, you know, stuffed their air up to digital photography and all those things. And now people are cell phone photography, you know, people <laughs> look at that, but people, you know, can do whole photo shoots with their phone. They can cell phone movies. movies with their phones that have won, you know, Oscars, right? And so just looking at all these new tools that come out, you know, there's always that that cycle of like, oh, this is terrible. This is, this is cheap. This is not true art. And then we see people who are true artists and what they can take that tool and, and turn it into and use it for. So I'm excited to see what comes out of it. So, Dr. Foster, is uh, graphic novels showing up in syllabuses across college campuses? What is happening? Yeah, I mean, is that a reality? Is that going to be acceptable? What's? Oh, well, I, when I was still teaching, um, I had a graphic novel class at my college. Um, and my students couldn't get enough of it. And they were, I'm telling you, they couldn't, no two students in my class had the same background. And they were sharp as text. I was like, I had to keep up with them. I brought artists in. We, we looked at different graphic novels. We talked about theories. Is this appropriate to bring in? What do you think about that? And they were ahead of me. And the papers were stellar at the end of the semester. I was very happy that they produced it. And they would say, you got another class? <laughs> I said, no, no, this is it. Get out. Uh, but And I would invite artists in to talk to them about the process and the storylines and the characters. It, it made my day. And they were right there with it. And I do want to mention um, Quinnipiac does have, I think, a class in car in cartoon creation or something like that, and also um, Southern. So there's, I, I, and there are certain schools that are building momentum around the industry like this. Again, that's why we want to we want to get on the forefront of the opportunities for folks yeah. and, mm. and bring and, and it's a it's a whole family like. Bring your family. We're gonna have, <laughs> we're gonna have workshops. Juanita is leading a panel discussion on women in cosplay. I was gonna okay. I was gonna ask about is there some room for for women in this industry in some fashion? And 
Yeah, so there's, um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, in addition to comic books and graphics, what else kind of fills the industry or fills that field? And thinking about cosplay, which is something I'm interested in, which is heavily influenced by, obviously, comic books in that world. So um, having that panel, bringing in some women that um, that focus in cosplay and, and talking about their experience, right? Being women in this in this industry, talking about their influences within comic books and graphic novels, I thought could be a really fun conversation and a way to to bring women and their perspective into into the conversation as well. The oh, amount of creativity in cosplay too is amazing. The the work that people put on individual costumes, you know, it's just a, you can buy a Superman suit, but you can't buy one with a black superhero you created. So you come up right. with that. So it's it, it makes me think of Mardi Gras and and the care that indigenous folks in the Mardi Gras world make costumes just for Mardi Gras. Like it makes me think about that that kind of commitment to to creating something um, that says, "Listen, this is this is this is what I'm representing. This is who I am." So, so if I run down the day, what's what can we expect? Like when I show up on Saturday and I won't get there till after I get out of class uh, about one o'clock. So run, start the day. What how, what do we start with? So we start the day. Um, Don Sawyer and I will welcome everyone, of course. <laughs> um, um, Quinnipiac, our host in the Department of Global Diversity there. Um, and then uh, the first panel at 1030, we'll, one of the first plan, because we're in two spaces. So the first panel will be women in cosplay, and then Raheem Nelson will be in the other room doing um, graphic recording. So like taking notes graphically, however he does. Raheem is so talented. That's so interesting. Last year he did a fascinating talk on NFTs. I know, I was, yes. I'm, st I'm still trying to figure out that whole world, but okay. <laughs> um, and then we'll have, um, T.C. Ford, um, who is also another uh, Connecticut historian of all things in comics, um, talking about crafting comics. He has a publishing company and does his own comic book. And um, Shankar Davis from Ekbok, the East Coast Black um, Comic Conference, he's going to do a STARS workshop, which is storytelling that advances reading skills. Ah, that is so cool. So like students, teachers, I hope, you know, we get people out there um, and then we'll have a lunch break where people could do vendors and chill out. And um, then we have uh, superhero creation, like a, a workshop to create your own superhero. Oh, um, and, and that will be with Yumi Odom, who is also from Ekbok and then New Haven's own um, Reg Reggie Augustine. Who's a who's a teacher at Hill, art teacher at Hill House and also has been out here making his um, comic books and stuff for a long time. He'll be doing storyboard creation, um, and then um, we'll have creating your brand with um, Ramon Campos. He's out of um, Queens. He does High Five Studios. They produce um, comic books, they do publications, all that. And Ray Felix, Bronx superheroes, um, who does that. So they both have companies in New York and throughout the country and they do stuff throughout the country. So they'll be on a, um, they'll be selling stuff and doing a workshop on creating your brand. And then we have a blurred panel, the black nerds. Hey, <laughs> that will be Josh Brown, 
Latif, Juice Man cosplay, and Queen. I don't. I, I don't know how to say Queen's rest of her name. How do I say it, Juanita? You I, think know? A, I think it's just Alexi. Alexi, okay. <laughs> and then we will finish the day with our own Professor William Foster with the keynote ending. And that's going to be our day. Okay. Oh, that's a that's a. And that's lunch a is included. Lunch is included with your ticket price. Oh, we like okay, that. So we got to get people, people got to register on our website, on our Facebook, all that good stuff. Lunch is included, y'all. I like that. I, so this is a full day. This is a full day. Last year was a full day. People were excited. People learned a lot. I learned a lot. Like I, like I really learned a lot. And people I'm, stayed all day. That's what I was like. Yay. All yeah. right. <laughs> Yeah. And there was a lot of young people. I saw a lot of young people yeah. Yeah. who were just like, so, so you created a space for people to come um, because where else would they go get this? They'd have to travel far and wide to sort of be in these spaces and, and to touch these people um, who are, who are bringing this good information. So, um, mm -hmm. so uh, what do y'all want people to take away from the day? Each one of you, give me a sense of what do you want people to take away? And then we'll, because we, we, we're, we're starting to wrap up this conversation, but give me a little sense of what you want people to take away uh, from the day. And, and yeah. Uh, Ife, you want to go first? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, since mine is talking about um, history, I want to have people having a sense that we as, as people and the images of people of color in, in comic books have changed so dramatically. There was a time when we did not have a voice in those creations. And now we definitely do. The number of sisters who are involved in the creation just breaks off. Oh, everything that they, they touch, they're telling stories that you know have never been told, sadly. But now I'm glad that that's happening. And to say, we always had a place in it. We always had people who were interested in making sure that our images were reflective of what we say we are, as opposed to what somebody else says we are. And that our imagination was as fertile as anyone's, you know, and that goes back to storytelling that goes back to Africa. So the idea is that this is a chance to kind of remind people that no, don't, don't lose hope, don't lose faith, you know, don't lose heart. Uh, we are here and we're coming on strong even more. Black Panther uh, is just, when I went to see the first movie and I went to see it with a mixed race audience, and it was one of the few times I'd ever been to a movie where everybody's emotions were on the same page. They gasped the same places. They were quiet the same places. They cheered the same places. I said, something's been tapped into here. And I think that's going to be exciting to see where that goes. Mm. Same for this particular conference. Juanita. Yeah, I will next. Um, I think what I want people to take away is that there is space and place for us in this industry. Um, we're already here, as you know, um, Mr. Foster has said, we have been in this industry um, for years, but now it's really our time to, to, to run away with it. Um, there's so much opportunity and, and it's just a wonderful industry for us to release our, our creativity that we know we, we have the most of, right? Um, and so this, there's space, there's place, and there's opportunity, and it's here for us to take. And I would like people to go away with the, the, the sense of the history and legacy that we have in all things and to and, and get a sense of you can create your own thing. You don't have to like all these workshops. These people are showing you how to stimulate your mind and create what you want to see and what you want to do. Like our, our my beloved Toni Morrison said, 
write your own book. <laughs> if you don't see the story you want, write your own book. And that is what DiasporaCon is about. That's what LitFest is about. We have to see our own. And in mm-hmm. what young and old, like some, I know we know some old folks, some elders and adults that don't read, right, Babs? Yes. <laughs> A graphic novel is picture book for adults. <laughs> <laughs> all right so before we go um i i cannot let you go without telling us when uh elm city lit fest kicks off elm city lit fest is september saturday september 9th and more to come because we will be um announcing uh new haven poet laureate in in a collaboration with new haven uh Co- new haven tour uh, tourism and cultural affairs and also Diaspora Book Awards. So that news will come after DiasporaCon and after we get back from the birthday celebration in Morocco. <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> I get back. So, so Saturday, make your way out to Quinnipiac. It's a beautiful campus. It's very easy to get to. Ample parking, free ample parking which and is, the North which is always campus. my pet peeve like where are we gonna park well Quinnipiac has ample parking and it's, it's a beautiful the North Haven campus please go to the North Haven campus yes. 370 Bassett Road in North Haven it's a beautiful building that got a little fake lake behind it with, du- <laughs> with, with ducks in it and stuff it's pretty is that the law school right is that the law school that the law school law nursing school, school. yep yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. And uh, how much are the tickets? Twenty five dollars on on our website and um on our website Facebook. and our Facebook page. Yes. You want to get that address to people so they can find it online? Culturallylit.org. dot org. Culturally yes, with, a, with a K. Culturally with a K. With a K. Yes. So, well, I so appreciate y'all coming on this morning and giving me such a robust conversation about uh, DiasporaCon and uh, graphic novels. So uh, I'm going to make it a point to really push my graphic novel game up. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a couple of graphic novels. Like I've got um, Octavia Butler's um, Parable of the Sour. I'm wearing Arts and Ideas Festival. And, uh, and um, thank you to uh, uh, Marjorie Kaplan for... Uh, uh, um, graphic novels from um john lewis so uh which are which are well done and very nice march yes so from the march thank you babs thank you i and this this novel the the graphics on this are stunning juanita (laughs) they are stunning stunning so uh so thank you for uh uh putting this together all right so saturday april 15 10 to 5 listen the weather is going to be nice Bring your kids, because I know you got kids at the house and it's something for the family. Everybody can enjoy. spring break, so come on through. And if you want to cosplay, you can. Yes, come in costume if you want. (laughs) I got to, now I got to figure out a costume. Like, I need a costume, so. (laughs) Thank you all so much for uh, spending this time with me this morning. And uh, I will see you all out here in these uh, cosplay streets. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Harry. (laughs) Thanks, Harry.